Your time is now. The world needs leaders. It's up to you to answer the call. Be better in business. Be better in life. Joined by our host, Chris Book. This is Leading by the Book. Hey guys, welcome to Leading by the Book. I'm Chris Book. Hope your week is off to a good start. Glad you're stopping by to check us out today. If you do like the show and haven't already, would love it if you would subscribe so that we can keep getting in touch with you each and every week. Last week, we had the pleasure of having retired U.S. Navy SEAL Andy Stumpf on the show. And if you haven't heard that interview, hit pause on this show, go back and check that one out. Andy shared his incredible story, shared a lot of leadership principles with us. And so many of you have written in and shared things that really resonated with you. I think that story has something for everybody in it, and it's definitely worth a listen if you haven't already. This week, though, we're going to take this back to a little bit more of just our regular content. And it's this idea of what your team does when you're not looking. And it's that question that I think is a really good indicator for us to help us determine where we are in our leadership qualities or how well we're doing as leaders. So the fact is, you can't be with your team every minute of every day. And that's probably a very, very good thing. Without space and latitude, we can't effectively decentralize our operations. That decentralization is so vital to getting more things done. I argue that if you can't decentralize, then you have too many people in your organization to begin with. Because basically, that means that multiple people are doing the same job or overseeing the same job. The question of how your team acts and operates when you're not around, though, is the ultimate sign, or at least one of the ultimate signs of a leader. So to put it more simply, you're not a leader if your team operates differently when you're not there. It's really that simple. A good number of us can actually relate to this concept as parents. When we send our kids off to school or to a friend's house or to practice for a sport, how do they conduct themselves? Do they do it in the same way that they would when they're at home with us supervising them? Your role as a parent is to develop your child so that they operate in a certain manner when they've matured and left the house. Now, These days, that seems to be somewhere between 35 and 50 years of age sometime, but whatever. We must operate our teams at the office in exactly the same way, though. We must develop the individuals on our team so that they can function without us there. We've discussed this idea before as a little bit of a leadership paradox, which it is. You've got this situation where it's a leader's primary responsibility to develop those in their respective teams, yet they kind of fear that if they develop these individuals to operate on their own, then why does the company need them around? In my opinion, that thought is totally backwards. All it means is that the company can now use your leadership skills and your qualities in bigger and better areas. That's the approach that we all must take to this. Nonetheless, it's important to check in on ourselves as leaders to be very self-critical and to truly understand what it is our teams do and how they operate when we're not there got kind of this cats away the mice will play mentality. We've got to keep that in check. One key related leadership failure is the notion that when a leader isn't around and somebody does something wrong, that it's that individual's responsibility and not that of their supervisor. When you're not around, when you're the supervisor, your responsibility doesn't diminish. If anything, it's amplified since you shouldn't be involved in other things if your team cannot function without your immediate and direct oversight and presence. The Navy handles this quite well, actually. When a ship is at sea, its captain can obviously not be at the helm 24 hours a day. 
captain needs rest, and so of course they must rely on subordinates to steer and navigate the ship. If something happens, though, let's say the ship runs aground or collides with another ship while the captain is asleep, the blame doesn't fall to the subordinate that was in charge at the time. Absolutely not. The captain is responsible for the performance of their subordinates. That includes training and instilling the proper operational guidance to govern their behavior. If they fail, the captain fails. And that's exactly what you must crave as a leader. It's not a burden if you're a real leader. It's something you crave to be responsible for your team and their performance as if it's your own. If you don't have that mindset, you cannot lead. On several occasions in the past, I've mentioned that some of the best teams I've been on have been fully remote. It's because of these factors below that we were able to be as effective, and if not more effective, than we would have been if we were operating in a traditional in-person setting. So the first thing is this idea of defined process. The first piece when you want to create a team that operates consistently without your immediate presence is having defined processes in place. So like I said, last week on the show, we interviewed Andy Stump. And again, if you haven't heard that interview, definitely go check it out right now. But Andy said that during his time in the SEAL teams, he planned thousands of missions, but none went according to plan. So it begs the question, why should we plan in the first place? Why are you telling us right now that defined process is the place to start? Because we need a framework to guide us. Because we're likely going to deviate from it. But how can our teams operate without us there if they don't have something to go off of? That's number two. This idea of values. You've heard it time and time again, but your company and team must operate the clearly delineated set of values or list of values that govern the work you do and the decisions you make. When work goes off the rails, and it will, a plan's going to go out the window, your team must rely on this set of values to guide how they operate and to govern the decisions that they make. Without this in place, you can't fully leverage the creative input necessary to solve these problems in a way that will positively impact your organization. So values are the insurance against the process blowing up. So we've got our process in place, but that's probably going to blow up. We've got values to help us when the process gets blown up. So what do we do now? You must develop a team that you yourself don't hold to certain standards, but rather a team that holds itself to certain standards. And there's an important difference there. It's one thing to let your boss down, but letting down your team members is a much greater level of frustration that individuals will seek to avoid. Your team members cannot let each other slip, and their responsibility must be to each other rather than to their superior. You must develop leadership in all of your team members as insurance against things going south when you're not there. And that comes from clearly understood standards for behavior. What's acceptable, what's not. So we got all this in place. And for all of this to matter, there must be a clear indicator of success. How do you measure success? Your team members need to be responsible for these indicators and know how their work directly contributes to this. But for the record, Saying that it's their responsibility doesn't absolve you of yours. We talked about that earlier. Consider the Navy example. When the captain goes to sleep, the indicator of success can't simply be to steer the ship, though. It must be to safely get the ship to X coordinate at Y time by doing Z. This specificity, this measurement of success, prohibits team members from going into a holding pattern when you're not there. Now, of course, all of this must be governed by a shared mission, and that's our last point here. In corporate America, this can be very tough. How invested can people become in some 
propaganda corporate mission. Have you ever listened to a business meeting you know, as, as an outsider where you're sitting in a coffee shop or in a restaurant? It's really unlikely that most people believe or even care about what it is they're saying or selling. And that's because they're doing a job rather than operating on a mission. So what's their mission? You have to instill the idea of personal development in your team so that they are working toward a goal that triggers growth within themselves and leads them to bigger and better things. Sure, maybe a little bit selfish for them, but you can, and in fact you must, it's imperative that you create a scenario where the company winning leads to your individual team members winning. If somebody on your team isn't performing when you're not there, it is 100% on you as a leader. The old saying that there are no bad teams, only bad leaders is 100% true. This does, however, speak to the importance of hiring well. You have to find people that are self-motivated, that want to be the best, not simply those that talk a big game. So in interviewing, one of the things that I like to do is really ask people questions about what their life is like outside of the office. Do they push themselves here or there? And if they do that, it's likely that they're going to push themselves in the office. And that is what will happen when you're not around. So focus on finding individuals to populate your team that have this. And then create your team in a way that really fosters that with the steps that we just got into. Focusing on developing individuals will lead to great things happening for you personally and professionally. I would love to hear how you're putting this to work in your own lives. That's all we've got for Leading by the Book this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back again next week with more content for you. But until then, wishing you guys a great week. We'll see you soon.